Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Again, thank you for being at Grace Bible Church today. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're joining us online. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning as we dig into God's Word. We've been uh, looking at the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue our journey through that. The first three chapters of Ephesians are very doctrinal in nature. And, and so, um, honestly, it kind of makes it hard, hard to preach uh, because uh, it, the, we have to think about some things. Um, and, and you're going to see that this morning as we go through this passage together. You know, um, we just want things to work sometimes. You ever notice that? We don't really want to know how they work. We just want them to work. You ever feel that way? Yeah. So have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed this, uh, just looking throughout history and maybe even looking at, at your life, um, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. But have you ever noticed that those who follow him have a pretty sketchy record of being peaceful people? I don't know if you ever noticed that. Um, Like, for instance, um, you've got the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, and the Evangelical Church, and (laughs) that's three different churches. All say they're following Jesus. And, and they don't have a very good history of, of getting along with each other. Uh, if you uh, kind of look at our own lives, I mean, think about, think about the people in our own lives who we say that we are following Jesus, but we can't get along. Like, I'll give you an example, like music, okay? Um, I mean, there have been churches that split over music. You do know God doesn't have a favorite music. I mean, there's not, there's not one music that God says, that's my favorite and everybody ought to be singing that. Nope, there's, there's all various styles of music. And, and these, the, you know, the people who say they're following Jesus will split over styles of music. I, all I'm trying to say is, is that if, if we're following the Prince of Peace... Why is it that we have such a difficult time fleshing out peace? And and in this passage that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus, uh, Paul deals with what Jesus did on the cross and how that is to bring peace to people. But here's the thing, we just want it to work, right? I mean, we just want peace, right? But, But the thing is, we have to think about what Christ has done and and then ultimately that that allows us to flesh out peace. Let me, let me say it. Let's see if this can make sense. Um, God, God is not trying to change the way we behave. Did you know that? I know we get wrapped up into that. You know, we think if, 
that God's trying to, you know, he's trying to get me to stop cussing. He's trying to get me to have a better attitude. He's trying to get me to stop some kind of habit. He's, he's trying to get me to treat people better. God, God's trying to get me to change. Change some behavior that he's not. Be free from that. God, God is not trying to change your behavior. He is trying to change the way we think. And guess what happens when we change the way we think? We change the way we behave. And so if, if nothing else, if, 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 if nothing else, hang on to that nugget as, as we go through this this morning. Because I, I'm telling you, a lot of us get wrapped up into God's trying to get me to change the way I behave. He's not. He's trying to get us to change the way we think. And that requires us to look at what Jesus did on the cross and to think about how that impacts our life. And that's what this passage is about this morning. If we want to have peace in our lives, listen to me, peace doesn't come through changing the way we behave. It comes through changing the way we think and understanding what Christ did for us when he died on the cross. So let's start off by talking about what separates people. This is where Paul starts in this passage of Ephesians. So uh, last week, Pastor Stephen did a great job of explaining uh, from, from God's Word about what happens individually to us when we receive Christ. That we were dead and He makes us alive. Okay, and that happens to us in our heart. And we spend a lot of time of that in the American church making our religion very personal. But I've, I, I got some news for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die just for you. Do you follow what I'm saying? I mean, he did. Jesus died on the cross for every individual. But it really wasn't just for you. He, he has a plan for the world and for all people. And so just as he made alive the individual that receives Christ, he was also doing something corporately with everyone who receives Christ. And that's what Paul begins to talk about in this passage this morning. What is God trying to do? Well, he's trying, he, through Christ, he's trying to bring peace. The Prince of Peace through Christ. Notice what he says in this passage. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body, not done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So in these three verses, Paul talks about something, and we have to kind of put on our thinking caps here to, to get what, what Paul is talking about. He's talking about what separates people, and he starts it off by saying, you who were circumcised were called this by those who were uncircumcised. And he uses an interesting word. He, taught, he, he throws out this word Gentile. So there's, there's really two things that separate all of us, okay? One is cultural differences. Cultural walls create hostility among people. So when Paul wrote this letter to the people in Ephesus, the original readers, their ethnicities, we would call them Italians, 
Greeks, Turks, and Jews. Those were the primary ethnic groups that received this letter. Now, all of those different ethnic groups had different cultural practices. They viewed the world differently. Jews in particular. And Jews were the ones who called people that were non-Jews Gentiles. That word Gentile, it's not a compliment. It wasn't a very complimentary word. So, so basically, when, when Jews, they, they looked at themselves and they said, we are Jews, everyone else is Gentile. And what they meant when they said that was, we're special and you're not. We're close to God and you're not. We behave properly, you don't. We know what pleases God. You don't know what pleases God. And, and so that cultural difference, the same thing happens in our world today. Cultures still collide. They don't get along with each other because they see the world differently. So Paul is saying that Here's one thing that divides people, these, these cultures that we find ourselves in. And we can see this in our world, okay? There's a lot of hostility in the world, and it, a lot of it stems from the different cultures that we have. The, 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 you know, I mean, again, using politics as an example, you have a Republican culture, you have a Democratic culture, and those cultures collide, don't they? They don't get along with each other. But then you also have people groups that are of different cultures, and those, those people groups, sometimes they don't get along with each other because they come from different cultures. I grew up in Alabama in the 80s. Uh, by the time I was growing up in the 80s, I mean, uh, the, the um, civil rights was pretty much over with, okay? As far as all the civil rights stuff that took place in Alabama, doesn't have a great history of civil rights there in Alabama. But by the 80s, it was all over with. But guess what? The most segregated hour of every week was at church. And you know what? It still is. And not just in Alabama. How come people of different colors and different cultures who say they're all following Jesus, can't worship together. You ever thought about it? What's that about? Well, cultures divide people. They, they divide. We, you know, you, you got this group says we like songs this way. And, 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 and the scriptures relate to us in our life in this way. And, and you got another group over here that says, well, this is how it works for us. And we do it this way. And so those cultures clash. Culture is a wall of hostility in our world. There's, there's another wall of hostility, and, and it's the spiritual walls. They create hostility too. And the general population of Ephesus, you know, it was the third largest city in the world at the time, but it, um, it, was, a, it was a pretty spiritual aware city. Uh, they... In Ephesus at its time, it contained one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the Temple of Artemis, uh, sometimes called the Temple of Diane. And there was a lot of people that worshipped at that temple. 
But there were other temples there too. And, and so the city of Ephesus was, was very much a spiritually aware place. And everybody believed in something. And the general thought was that, that if you believe in something, that's, that's good enough. At least you have some kind of spiritual awareness in your life that causes you to believe in, in something. The problem is that not all religions lead to the living God. And so, and so because it's that way, uh, religions divide people. They don't bring people together. We still see that happening in our world today. The Christians and Islams and Mormons and Hindus, and I could go on and on. There's not a history of those people of different faiths getting along with each other. There's hostility between them. It's because not all religions lead to the living God, and so religions have become a, a way of separating people, not bringing them together. So when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, part of what was happening is that he was bringing peace to those two things that create division. He was bringing peace between the different cultures and peace between the different religions for all of those who follow Him. You see, when what, what Paul brings out in this passage, what he says really quickly is, is that when, when people, people may be spiritually aware, but if they're not following Christ, there's some things going on in their life. First of all, uh, they have no salvation. They have no salvation. If someone is not following Jesus, there is no salvation in their life. And that's pretty exclusive. You see, that's kind of offensive to someone who's in Islam. Do you get what I'm saying? If, if, if someone, if someone who, who has grown up Muslim, and you and I, we look at them and say, and they're very devout, and we look at them and say, I'm sorry, you have no salvation apart from Christ. That's a wall. Okay? That, that creates a problem. Someone who's not following Jesus, they have no identity. Okay? They, they don't belong. They... They're like immigrants who, 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 who are in a place that they're not supposed to be and they're, and they're hiding there. They have no citizenship. Someone who doesn't have Christ, they have no citizenship in the family of God. They're unaware of God's promises. Someone who's not following Christ, they're, they're unaware of what these wonderful promises that are in Scripture for you and I to follow, they, they don't know about that if they're not in Christ. They are without God in the world. They might have little gods, little G gods, but they do not know God without Christ. They are living without hope. It means that their life, it's random. It's, it's, it, they, they see uh, 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 they're governed by fate, not by faith. And these things are all lost 
to people who are without Christ. And it creates these walls of hostility between us. But when we come together in Christ, all of those walls are removed. And there's peace for people who follow Christ as long as we are willing to lay down our preferences. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. So what brings people together? What, what brings people together? So, um, you know how you have apps on your phones? We all have different apps that we use that, that, that have become very much a part of our life. And, and what we want from that app primarily is we want it to work, right? I mean, we, want the, we don't really care how it works. How many of you have studied how the apps work on your phone? We could care less, right? And we don't even want to go to it. I mean, if, we, if there were a seminar on apps, we wouldn't go because I don't care how it works. I just want it to work, right? Well, we've kind of done that when it comes to our peace that we could have with one another. We just want peace to work. We're not really, we don't really want to know how it works. And the problem with that is, is that when it comes to peace among ourselves, our behaviors must change. But for behavior to change, the way we think has to change. And folks, that's what we call doctrine. In the Christian faith, that's what we call, because doctrine is all about how we think on what God has done. And in this passage that we're getting ready to look at, Paul, Paul is saying, here's what Jesus did on the cross to bring peace to the world. But you and I, it's not like an app on our phone where we just press the peace app and we have peace. That, that's not how it works. What you and I have to do is we have to incorporate what Jesus did on the cross into our thinking. And we think about and we know what Jesus has done and then that changes the way we behave and we begin to experience peace with one another. It is a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. But that's what Paul is describing in this passage. So what brings people together? Look at what he writes. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, what two groups? Jews and Gentiles. Those who thought they were close to God, those who were told they were far from God. He said, I'm doing something where I'm bringing both groups together. Look at what He says. He says, for He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 
He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So there's two observations. Here's the first one. The peace of Christ made possible through his shed blood breaks down cultural and spiritual walls. So here's what happened. God is the one that made the difference between Jews and Gentiles. When God chose Abraham to be the father of faith, he started the Jewish race. But it was never intended for the Jewish people to think that they were better than everybody else. Yes, they had a different culture. Yes, they had different practices. And yes, they had the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. But they were intended to take those differences and to show the world, the Gentiles, how to get close to God. So here's what they did. They held on to their cultural differences, but morally they acted like everybody else. Even though they were God's people, they were not acting like God's people. And, they, and so they were behaving like everybody else was behaving, but saying, we're close to God and you're not. We act just like you, except for the few rules. We eat some different foods and we worship on a certain day. But apart from that, we're really just like you. But we're God's people, you're not. And that became a problem. That's where all the hostility was coming from. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, you know what? I'm going to do away with this difference that I've created. And the Old Testament... The Old Testament now is, is there for you and I to know what's right and wrong, but keeping the rules of the Old Testament do not make us closer to God. Because the only way we get close to God is through Jesus, not rules. I, I had someone come up to me after the first service, and they, had, they were telling me about their neighbor who, who is a follower of God. Who, that, that neighbor would look at you and say, I follow Jesus Christ. But they practice their faith very different than you and I. And that neighbor, they only worship on Saturdays. They don't worship on Sundays. And this neighbor walked up to this person who was at our church yesterday. They were out working in their yard, doing some flowers and stuff. And this, this person walked up to them and said, you should go get your church clothes on and come to church with me. And the person who goes to church here says, oh, I go to church on Sunday. And that neighbor said to them, and it does you no good. That's the wall of hostility. Okay? That, that's, that's, that's a rule someone is hanging on to. You do know, folks, we are to worship God every day. Not one day. If you're only worshiping Him on Sunday, you're just like that person. You're just like that person. Jesus tore down those rules and those regulations and they are simply there for us to know what is right and what is wrong. He didn't abolish the morality of the law. He abolished the idea that we have to keep the law to know God. We know God through Christ. And Jesus tore that wall down on the cross. But something else also happened. Another observation is that a new people group was created at the cross. And they're called the church. Now this blows my mind, okay? This, to me, this is just cool. 
Um, where did all the different ethnic groups come from in the beginning? I'm sure somebody out there knows how to pull all that together and explain how all the different races came from all the... You know, I, to me, that's fascinating and amazing. But when Jesus died on the cross, he created a new people group, a new ethnicity, and it's called the church. So any person, no matter the, the, what culture they came from or the color of their skin, irregardless of their spiritual background, when they place their faith in Christ, they are removed from that ethnic group spiritually. They are removed from that spiritual ground, that spiritual background uh, spiritually, and they are placed in a new group called the church. That's a new ethnic group in the world. Here as God's people. Following him and trying to act like him, be like him, represent him in this world. And our culture is derived from what we learn in Scripture. Our morality comes from what we learn in Scripture. It doesn't come from the values of our ethnicity. It comes from what he teaches us here. Paul, he said it this way. He said, Christ's purpose was to create in himself one New humanity. One new humanity. Out of the two, thus making peace. Between all the things that divide us. So here's what happens. Here, here, ideally, this is what's supposed to happen. Is that people who follow Jesus, doesn't matter where they come from in the world, doesn't matter if they come from Alabama or Ohio, that when they follow Jesus, their past may explain them, but it does not define them. What defines them is that he brought them into this new humanity. He brought them out of whatever they were in, and he brought them into his people group, and now they are his people following him. And they should have peace with one another. Why do we have such a hard time with this? Because we hang on to our preferences instead of letting go of them and following Jesus with all of our heart. Again, we could go back to the music thing. Okay? Why do people, why, why do churches, why did churches used to split over music? God doesn't have a favorite music. One, listen, rap music, country music, jazz music. Look, I, I got Stephen's attention when I said rap. He looked right at me. Do you know that God loves all of that if it is pointing to Him? Jesus loves all of that if it's pointing to Him. We may have a preference. He does not. It just needs to point to Him. And we lose sight of the peace that God gives us because we hang on to what we want. I want it to look this way. I want it to be this way. I like it like this. So we don't really worship Jesus. We worship our preference. And we are all capable of behaving that way. And that's why when we look around the room, 
We all look the same. We all act the same. We all behave the same because we tend to hang out with people who like it like we like it as opposed to hanging out with people who just are worshiping Jesus. We can all be like that. We can all do that. But you know what I look for? I look for, and there's there's examples of it sitting in this room right now. People who are different from us, and they're not here because they're like us, they're here because we're following Jesus and they want to follow Jesus, and we're with them and they're with us because not of our similarities, but because of our looking to Him. And that has pulled us together. And even though we are different, we're willing to lay down some of those differences for the greater cause of following Jesus. Is this making sense? It's tough. I wish I could just say, here's three steps to peace, people. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work like that. We have to take into consideration what Jesus did on the cross. And we think about that and we realize that this silly little preference that I'm hanging on to, Jesus abolished that. He abolished that. And I can't hang on to that. I can't demand that at the expense of not being able to get along with other people who want to follow Jesus. There's some great benefits that happen when we begin to think this way and behave this way. Look at what Paul went on to write. He says, for through him, we both, who's the both, the far and the near, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his people. Look, there's three things that happen. There's three benefits to the peace that comes from Christ on the cross. First of all, there are no second class citizens in the church. Now listen to me very carefully. We are all equally valuable. All, we, all, we are all equally valuable in the kingdom of God. But we are, not, we are not all equally skilled. We are not all equally uh, doing the same thing or equally responsible, or, nor do we have the equal talents. But we're all equally valuable. Another way of looking at this is, uh, you know, in, a, in another passage, Paul talks about the followers of Christ being put into one body. You know how our bodies work. Our bodies have different members and different, you know, I have a right hand and a left hand. I can tell you my right hand is more skilled than my left hand. But that doesn't mean I don't want my left hand. Right? But definitely, I do more with my right hand than I do with my left hand. But my left hand is just as valuable as my right hand. 
And in the body of Christ, it is the same way. There are no second-class citizens. We are all equally valuable with different skill sets and different responsibilities and different talents. And here's what happens in the body, just like our physical body. I, I know when I was in the 10th grade, I was playing softball one day, and a softball hit me in the face and broke my nose. Only my nose was broken, but my entire body knew about it. And my entire body stayed awake that night, hurting. It was only my nose broken. My arms were fine. My legs were fine. My nose was not fine. But my whole body stayed up with it. Listen, when, we, when, when Christ put us together, and He put us into this one new humanity, we're also a body in this passage, he says we're a building that we're put together. And when one part of the body doesn't work, the whole body suffers. When, when one part of the building is not functional, listen, if all the toilets backed up in this church this morning, would that not impact the whole building? Yeah, it would. And so that's what happens in the body of Christ. He's brought us all together to, to follow Him together. But when one in the body or one in the building begins to hang on to their preference as opposed to hanging on to Christ, it impacts the rest of us. And peace is impacted. This peace that we've been called to, to experience together, it's impacted because we're hanging on to our preference instead of hanging on to Christ. It is work. I'm not going to say this is easy. It is so easy to talk about. It is so hard to do. But this is what Jesus did on the cross. Another thing that happens, another benefit is that the church is empowered to represent Christ. This peace that we have, listen, it is so different from anything in the world. And it stands out. It shines. It, it is so... It, for, for people of different races and different backgrounds to be able to come together and unite and worship God together, where else does that happen? Where else does that take place in our world? But it can happen with God's people. If we will let go of our preferences and hang on to Christ, He empowers us to become his representatives in the world. Another word that Paul uses in another passage is ambassadors. We become ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors represent other countries. So, so like um, the worst ambassadors in the world, in my opinion, are, are you know what happened? If you don't know this, I'll, I'll tell you, you probably already know it. Ambassadors, when they are sent, when, so when, it, when a, an ambassador from another country comes to the United States, that ambassador has immunity in the United States. Did you know that? That means that guy, that lady, they can do whatever they want to do in the United States. They have immunity. But the worst ambassadors are the ones who take that immunity and they use it to hurt other people. And they say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because I have immunity anyway. I'm literally above the law. The worst thing that can happen to me is I just give you a sit back. Those are the worst ambassadors. 
But you know what? I know Christians who act that way. They're ambassadors of God's love here, but they've, they've got grace and they've been forgiven of their sins. I can do whatever I want. Literally, I'm above, right? Because I have grace. God's forgiven me. And it's no longer about representing who they came here to represent and speak on the behalf of. It's I have grace. I can do whatever I want. I'm forgiven. And whatever. That makes for the worst kind of ambassador. But yet, that is how many people who follow Jesus, that's how they behave. And that disrupts the peace that God intended for us to have through the cross. A third benefit that we have of this peace is that you and I, we can be a part of God's new people group. You see, it doesn't matter where you came from, literally, in the world. It doesn't matter your past. God has created this new people group, and through Christ we can be a part of that, and we can experience the peace that Jesus died on the cross for you and I to have. But we have to place our faith in Him, and we have to lay our preferences down. And say, I'm willing to follow Jesus and give up some of my preferences to be, to be His people group, to be His church in the world. I know this is not easy. Not easy to hear about. It's not easy to practice. But let me give you a prayer that maybe you and I can use to think on these things that Jesus did when He died on the cross and how it should be impacting us and changing the way ultimately we behave because we see in light of what He's done. Notice what this prayer says, Father, help me understand the truth of Your Word. Enlarge my faith and understanding of the great work You have done through Christ Jesus. Jesus, empower me to flesh out the peace you have provided. Teach me to look for that peace and live by that peace instead of reverting back to the hostility that is so natural to me. Show me how to be an agent of your peace in this hostile world. I trust your Spirit will fill me and guide me. I humble myself before you. I pray this in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer this week as you think about what Jesus did on the cross when he died there and how he's desperately working to bring us together to work together to represent him if you're here this morning or watching online and you'd like to know more about what it means to encounter this peace you can text the word connect to 330 400 Six, nine. That'll open up a line of communication for us to talk about this peace that Christ offers. If you're here this morning and in the building and you've, this is your first time, I really encourage you when you leave today to go by our welcome guest. They'll give you a gift for being here. We'd love to connect with you, begin to have a friendship with you. But thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming to Grace. 
I hope you have a great week. We'll be back together next week. God bless you. Have a good day.